a perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. Fine. You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. Hello, everyone. Unfortunately, we are here today for yet another fascism update. I'm going to start out the show with a thorough rundown of the situation pertaining to what our first guest is coming on to speak about, which is an upcoming hate pastor convention that is happening locally at the end of the month. I want to give you a thorough understanding of who these people are and what they believe so we can fully acknowledge the need to combat this rhetoric and to stop this movement from growing. Our first guest, David, will then join me to chat about the event he and other comrades are planning to be held outside of this convention. Second, I'll be joined by Emily, a queer activist out in the center to tell us about the urgent and disturbing crisis of right-wing extremism within the school system, putting our kids in demonstrable danger, which I won't expound upon here because she tells us everything we need to know in the interview. So starting with the first topic, as many listeners may remember, Sydney and I had previously covered the existence of Aaron Thompson, a hate pastor of the Sure Foundation Church right here in Vancouver. I'm about to share a clip of one of the psycho sermons that we shared on that previous episode to jog your memory, so now is a good time to provide a trigger warning for essentially this entire intro, as I'll be giving you a taste of what the other hate pastors are about as well. So here's Aaron Thompson. That that, uh, club got shut up the other day. Now, am I sad that five homos got shot? No, I'm not sad at all. As a matter of fact, I think it's a good thing that they're not here anymore to molest kids. And I'm, again, I'm not condoning anybody to do anything like that. I don't believe it's right to take the law into our own hands. And I've said that so many times, but here's what I won't be upset about. I'm not gonna be upset when someone that hates God and actively is promoting against God and hates his guts and molests children, even if it is just their eyeballs, to have to see these freaks writhing around and and, and, doing all these crazy dances in front of children. And then afterwards reading them a book or something. I said, it's not right to take the law into your own hands, but I do understand why people are so fed up because our own government is protecting these freaks. And that's all you see on the media right now. You know, right wing MAGA kills, you know, these, these queers and then some guy jumped in and helped them or whatever. Who cares? Like, I really don't care that those people got killed. And you're like, that sounds really hateful, Pastor. Well, it is hateful because I do hate them because they're a, a menace and a wart on the rear end of society. Amen. And there, there's nothing redeeming about them whatsoever. Yep. Listen, we're in America. We can say whatever we want. And I'm not inciting violence, so don't even try to go there. But anyway, happy, happy Thanksgiving. You know, sitting there teaching little children about the filth of sodomy. They should be taken out back and shot in the back of the head. Amen. By the government, by the way. <laughs> not by us. Amen. Look, I'm not telling anybody to kill anybody. Well, let me make that clear. I'm not saying Christians should do it. If a Christian does it, I didn't tell them to do that. They didn't get that idea from me. I believe that if someone's worthy of death, that the government should carry out that sentence, Romans 13. End of story. Someone was saying to me this morning, they were you know, texting me, telling me that I'm going to lose my tax-exempt status or whatever, for talking about how the government should kill you know, people of the LGBT or whatever. 
and that I'm calling, they always say this, you're calling for the death. You're calling for the death. No, I'm just saying the government should do their job. So I can share it on Twitter with that fat sounding guy, uh, that atheist guy, what's his name, Mehmet or whatever. What's his name, Brother Sean? So we're turning again to the story because, as I already said, a new development has emerged in the form of a convention being held by the Sure Foundation Church from May 25th to the 28th and a protest that is being planned outside of it. For some background, the new independent fundamentalist Baptist movement has emerged out of major cities like Houston, Sacramento, and Los Angeles, seemingly in reaction to the liberal leanings of those areas. They advocate for the strict reading of the King James Version of the Bible and employ a tactic they call, quote, hard preaching, which Jimmy Magahern of the Phoenix Magazine described as an in-your-face reading of the centuries-old doctrine that includes all the dark stuff most contemporary churches water down. They regularly call for the execution of gay people, and they have made national headlines for gleefully celebrating when members of the LGBTQ community get massacred, as well as push the so-called groomer theory that gay and trans folks are pedophiles, as was demonstrated in the Aaron Thompson clip. The convention that's being held right here in Vancouver is going to be a showcase of the most notorious pastors from the IFB around the nation, including Stephen Anderson, Jonathan Shelley, Roger Hymenes, Joe Jones, and of course, Aaron Thompson himself. Stephen Anderson, a pastor from Arizona, started the new IFB movement and has been called the heir apparent to late Westboro Baptist Church leader Fred Phelps. He is a Holocaust denier who has been banned from 33 countries for his rhetoric, including being the first person ever banned from Ireland. In 2016, he was deported from Botswana, which decriminalized gay sex in June of that year, after saying on the radio that gay people should be stoned to death. He openly calls for parents to beat their children because apparently God said so. Here comes a clip of the brand of hate he has on offer. I hate... Barack Obama. You, you say, well, you just mean you, you don't like what he stands for. No, I hate the person. Amen, amen. Oh, wait, you mean you just don't like his politics. No, I hate him. Now, I'm going to prove this from the Bible tonight, why I should hate Barack Obama. Why God wants me to hate Barack Obama. Why God hates Barack Obama. This fight has come to us, and you know what I say? Bring it on! No homos will ever be allowed on this church as long as I'm the pastor here. I'll, I'll put it this way. Any man who would have sex with another man would have sex with a man. That is true. Now, to me, LGBT stands for let God burn them. Right. But you say, well, it's LGBTQ. Well, then you could say let God burn them quickly. I don't have any advice for homosexuals except to put a bullet in your own head so that you don't molest my kids or anyone else's kids. I mean, I didn't choose that, hey, in the end times, before the second coming of Christ, we're going to have to be ripping face about a bunch of perverts and homos. I didn't choose this fight. This fight has come to us. And you know what I say? Bring it on! I so whatever you do, when you beat your wife, when you beat your kids, when you do what you want in sin, it's okay because you're already saved. That's why you're just a cop-out. You know what? It's, what, a it what, it it's, you, it's a sin not to beat your kids. It's a sin not to beat your kids. kids. The Bible it's, says, thou did, shalt did be. Did Jesus Christ beat a kid? Thou did shalt Jesus, be. Did Jesus Christ beat a kid? He didn't have kids. The Bible says, thou shalt be. Then there's Roger Hymenes of Verity Baptist Church in Sacramento. He gained national notoriety in 2016 after praising the Pulse nightclub shooting, which, if you don't remember, was a mass murder of 49 people at a gay nightclub in Florida. Several pastors at the Red Hot Preaching Conference, including Jimenez, called for the U.S. government to start executing LGBTQ people. Here's a news clip from CBS 13 covering Roger Jimenez. 
They're all wicked, predators, perverted people. Pastor Roger Jimenez of Verity Baptist Church in Sacramento is not mincing words. Following the mass murder that left 49 people dead and scores injured in Orlando Sunday. As far as I'm concerned, Orlando's just a little safer tonight. In a fiery, disturbing Sunday service, he tells families in his congregation the victims deserve to die because of their sexual orientation. And he makes this shocking statement. I wish the government would round them all up, put, put them up against a firing wall, put a firing squad in front of them, and blow their brains out. What if you ask me, hey, are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? Um, no, I think that's great. I, I, I think that helps society. Jonathan Shelley of the Steadfast Baptist Church in Hearst, Texas, says that the Bible tells women to keep silent in church and believes the same bullshit about groomer theory and the need to kill the gays as the rest of them do. Finally, we have Joe Jones out of Idaho, who claims that gay people are reptilians and that God ruled how to deal with queer people, saying, quote, put them to death, put all queers to death. All these loons have viral vids, so you can look them up for further research, but I think providing any more audio clips of them is not necessary. You get the gist by now, and I'm not trying to make anyone puke. Just remember that every one of these pastors will be here in Vancouver, trying to spread their message and grow their movement at this Memorial Weekend convention. Without further ado, here's my first interview with David, a local organizer for an event that will be held outside of that convention in protest of this hate group. All right, welcome to the show, Zachmo, a.k.a. Riot Dad, a.k.a. David, who describes himself as your favorite PNW everyday anti-fascist punk rock dad, and who has been involved in organizing some recent protests regarding hate against the LGBTQ community. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for amplifying. We're, we're stoked to be here. Uh, we're not stoked that we have to keep organizing these events around Vancouver uh, but we're going to keep doing it as, as often as we have to and as consistently as, as we have to. Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that the marginalized voices are, are heard. Um, that being said, uh, uh, with this specific action coming up, uh, we, we, we know that the, the LGBTQ plus community is really, is really involved and out there. Um, we also need to put to the forefront our BIPOC friends and family and community members as uh as well as acknowledging that, that while we take all of these actions uh all of these actions that we're protesting uh are still on stolen land right and that's something that we just kind of want to want to highlight every time that we're out there um you know cool cool very important um so I kind of wanted to start, uh, you and I spoke w about your involvement with the Heathen Brewing counter-protest slash mm -hmm. organized protection of the drag brunch a while back. Um, do you just want to help paint the picture of what was going on at Heathen, like what led to the need to organize protection for the Heathen event on that day? Yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody's least favorite Pacific Northwest quasi-fascist uh Robert Zerfing put out a call uh, through his uh, his Telegram page and, and on his Twitter, uh, the Common Sense Conservative, that uh, uh, there was going to be an all-ages drag brunch. Um, he requested a call to action. Um, and then later that evening, uh, somebody pulled up in an SUV and a person hopped out and took a baseball bat to all of the windows um shattered them all and then uh, of course got gays against groomers involved um which i'm 
if you're not familiar with is is a, a, a queer hate group um, that specifically targets um, trans uh, community and drag performers um, under the guise that you know the, the whole grooming thing is is the new agenda. Um, so we we heard about it. We kind of reached out to a couple of people and uh, a couple of queer spaces and said, "Hey, what's what's being done about this?" And and the answer was just like a resounding like nothing. Uh, let us know if you hear anything. Um, so we reached out to some friends and some family and into the community, and we were able to get uh, a sizable showing. Uh, we had about 250 people show up. We had community members uh, make these beautiful costumes, uh, these, these angel wings that you see uh, uh, from the Orlando Shakespeare uh, Theater uh, that were first employed after the uh, Westboro Baptist Church decided to picket Matthew Shepard's funeral. Um, so we got those out. We got those people to kind of walk off so that the performers could be safe, that the participants can be safe. And we we're able to provide community defense. We we're able to get out there and make some noise and uh, make some new friends and, and let Vancouver know that uh, as a community, uh, we're here to protect us and we're here to keep us safe without having to involve institutions of racism and oppression like the local police department. So, yeah, kind of expounding on that, when we talked about this initially, uh, you explained the extent of the organizing effort, and I was just really, really impressed by how sophisticated it was um, operation, operationally, I suppose. Um, can you expound on that a little more? Like, I know you were talking about only certain individuals were going to be speaking with the police, or certain representatives would be speaking with the police, and, and why that would be, and... You had some people Absolutely. I heard too. So, yeah. So um, we had uh, we had a good, strong support of community defense. Uh, we had several paramedics, several medics out there, um, veterans who have had experience uh, to help in case you know fascist protesters showed up and things got you know ugly if there were injuries, but also to help out with uh, you know making people stay hydrated, making sure to remind people to take a break, take a snack, get off your feet. Uh, it's a long day, um, but we we don't reach out to police for for protection for these events. Um, we have BIPOC comrades who who can't code switch if shit goes down. Right, they're they're visibly, visibly brown, indigenous, black. They're visibly queer, gay, trans. Um, and when you have a, a, a system of oppression in place, especially with police force, um, those people are at risk when the police are called. Um, we know the police are going to show up to these events, so we have people who are designated liaisons, uh, as well as the National Lawyers Guild out there to look out for protesters' civil rights. And these people will communicate directly with police. They will get names. They will get badge numbers. They will get incident numbers if, if any are taken. Um, and it's super important that we let our community know that. So we let them know that, that we're there to keep them safe. We're there to protect them. And if the police do show up, we have a very intricate, detailed system on how to deal with them, um, uh, verbiage to use uh, to get them to, to realize that what we're doing is uh, it's legal, it's constitutionally protected. Um, and then any infringement on that is a violation of our civil rights. And we have attorneys right over there uh, recording our interaction um, to make sure everyone stays on the up and up. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, it, was, yeah. it was nice. We, we had professional photographers. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we had people just 
all over the city, just kind of recording and keeping an eye out. And we're in constant communication with one another uh, just to make sure that community members are safe, right? Um, uh, and, and we've got the same thing kind of set up in, in place for this coming event. Uh, community safety is, is the reason we're out there. It's the reason we're doing this in the first place. It's the reason we're organizing in the first place. So keeping attendees uh, safe is, is number one across the board. So it's something we all take very seriously. And we're super fortunate to have a lot of people with experience uh, have come on board with us and partnered with us to make that happen. Yeah, just hearing about all that is like, you know, I wasn't super aware of, you know, even how big that that, pro, you know, that uh, counter protest, whatever you like to call it, um, ended up being. And just like it's it's uh, really encouraging to to know that there's just like a big sophisticated organization and that people are showing up. I mean, we need them to continue showing up, which is why we're talking today. But um, for sure really heartening definitely um so yeah speaking about the protest you're talking about coming up so this one's involving the sure foundation church and at the top of this episode i'm gonna really dig into who these characters are and all that stuff so you you don't have to cover any of that but can you just like give us a general rundown of what this event that is happening is and then what the the counter event um that you and other organizers are planning will be yeah, so this one, this one is a little different. Um, our, our our last action was was strictly community defense. Um, in in case people kind of fell through with their promise and, and showed up to start trouble, and we were super lucky. We had like three people show up. Uh, three very oh, well really? known and very common, yeah, reactionaries, right? So like Cocaine Michelle and Honey Badger Mom, right? We won't use their real names uh, because unlike them, we've got respect for people and their families right um but the Pulaski, those folks showed up and they're very well known but but they were able to to be walked away across the street without any problems no violence uh maybe, maybe a little profanity right just both sides showing a little a little love for each other um but this one this one's a little different uh this one we are uh we're bringing the action to the front doors uh, uh, in form of protest as opposed to community defense. Um, and we're doing so because there is a four-day conference um, uh, under the guise of uh, getting to know the King James Bible, right? That's kind of Sure Foundation uh, uh, and Shield of Faith, uh, another prominent church out of Boise, Idaho, um that's that's their real big push right is um you know we're not a hate group we're just king james enthusiasts and that means just hardcore old school you know old testament doctrine right um specifically uh focused on um keeping women in roles of uh oppression uh and uh vehemently anti-queer anti-trans um, and and anti-Semitic, um, so that's that's their their real big thing, right? Is um, you know, Western civilization was built and created through the grace of God, and, and with that, you know, mission in the forefront, and um, whether that's through you know colonization or, or current systems of oppression, um, or making sure that you know women who attend their church do so uh, silently. Uh, with long dresses and stockings and, and kind of fit that old school role. 
Um, so we had some friends from Boise reach out to us and said, hey, this is going to take place in, in your town. And this is one of the pastors that's going to be there. Uh, and that would be Joe Jones. Um, and him and, and Aaron Thompson's rhetoric are just, I mean, hand in hand, right? They they just kind of rehashed the, the same tropes and, and the same lies um, and the same anger and hatred towards marginalized people. Um, so we felt compelled to act, uh, even though uh, this isn't a, a defensive action. Um, by definition, we feel that this is a defensive action because these people have been aggressively verbal about inciting violence, um, about encouraging their parishioners to, to carry firearms and stand their ground, uh, so to speak. So uh, we feel that it's defensive in the fact that we need to provide a, a voice and let the community know that, that we're here to support them and we're here to, to form that line. Uh, between bigots and the queer community. Very good. So do you want to describe the uh, the event um, oh, that you're putting on? <laughs> yeah, we'd love to. We are we are really stoked. Um, we are uh, we asked ourselves, um, you know, first off, uh, what do they hate? You know, and then they hate they hate queer people and uh, you know, what's what's the one thing that we could really do, you know, to agitate and to get under their skin uh, besides just exist? Um, and that response was get married, right? Get get married and not just um, not just like kind of like a, a fun playtime role play marriage. We have got queer couples getting legally married. Right? We have people who are ordained. Uh, by the state, we have people who are uh, ordained uh, in the religious sense as well, all on standby to provide a ceremony fitting for those couples' comfort level. So we have two couples signed up, scheduled, booked times and everything to get legally married. And then we have a couple of other couples who are going to be there that want to renew their vows. So our big gay wedding event uh, is going to be just like it sounds. We flyers, streamers, uh, eco-friendly confetti, um, you know, bird seed. Uh, we're going to be throwing it. We're going to be making noise. We've got, um, you know, allergen-free vegan cupcakes going on all around to hand out to people who show up, whether they want to get married or not. Um, we have indigenous land back speakers that are going to be there. Uh, we have acoustic performances um, by uh, the 1876, which is, uh, they describe themselves as Pacific Northwest powwow punk rock, right? So an indigenous punk rock band. Um, we've got Johnny Nuriel, uh, the drag performer, who's going to be there with their partner, not only performing, um, but also, as luck would have it, is ordained and willing to help marry couples off. So we figured uh, our style is a little bit more uh, in your face, right? Our style is a little bit brasher, I think, um, than kind of what Vancouver is used to. Um, but that's the role that we fit into extremely well uh, as, as both uh, human being and, and, and parent and, and agitator and partner, right? It's just always out there. Um, so we figured we would try to make it uh, a little fun, right? It's, it's, it's hard enough having people kind of push uh, hatred, dogma at us all the time. Uh, 
one of the things that I always tell people when they ask about our events is our side always shows up smiling. We, we always make sure to try to find the positivity in the situation, even if it's, you know, a demo, even if it's, you know, defense. And, and we always lead uh, with smiles on our faces and, and making new friends. So we plan to show up and counter hate with love. Uh, and I think that's really, really the big message here. And yeah, I mean, it's like love is the all this this hate is ultimately rooted in fear, you know, and that's what they're trying to spread. And so that just seems like the perfect antidote. And it sounds like a good time. And um, like, thank you for putting it on. I hope everybody listening to this podcast comes out to support. Um, maybe get some more people married. Who knows? <laughs> that would really be great. Cool. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. We've got uh, we've got a really uh, solid team. We we put heathen together and I think like, like 15 days, like it was, it was insane how many people uh, were able to just come together in such a short time. And because of that, our community has been strengthened. And because of that, uh, more connections were made, more, more, more friends were made. Uh, so we've got a little bit more time to plan this one out, which is great. Uh, and we expect, uh, we expect a good turnout. We expect a good time. Um, we expect everyone to, to go home feeling better than when they arrive, uh, specifically safely. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's been too long that this church has been, uh, in our city, um, and really just kind of run around unchecked. Right. Um, you know, they had a, a huge thing when, when, when Roe v. Wade was, was, was overturned and they, they made some, some pretty heinous statements, um, you know, pretty aggressive statements and it, uh, uh, you know, a couple of people we talked and we tried to get something together, but it just, it just fell through. Right. So, uh, we think that this is the perfect time. Uh, we got Memorial day weekend coming up, you know, good portion of people don't have anywhere to be on Monday. Not, not all of us are super fortunate. We, we have somewhere to be on Monday in order to pay bills, but, uh, hopefully this weekend allows a few more people to come out from last time. Very cool. Um, if people want to get involved in the planning process, are you looking for people to help with that? Like how could they make contact? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've, uh, we've created, uh, events on, on, on social media spaces, right? So there's uh, there's an event on Facebook, um, that we've created. Uh, they can reach out to me directly, uh, through, through my Twitter. Right. Uh, and that's, that's riot dad. Uh, with, with a zero instead of an O, I, I got on it a little too late. Who knew? There's, there's another riot dad floating around there somewhere. Um, but you can't, you can't miss this, right? Uh, uh, our football photo is us. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't try to hide who we are. We don't try to hide our identity. Uh, I, I grew up uh, in a Southern fundamentalist minister's home back in Texas uh, for quite a few years uh, alongside my trans sister. Um, so we, we aren't going back. We are, we are who we are. We don't, uh, we don't hide our face. Uh, we try to let everybody know that, that, that we're proud of who we are. We love who we are. It took a really long time to get there. Uh, and I'm not going to let, uh, a couple of Baptists who are way less intimidating than my grandfather and father bully me into, you know, hiding behind some bullshit avatar. So, um, not that. Not that there's not a need for that in the community, especially in the line of work that we do. Fully understand that. Um, but that's my personal choice. 
So and and they've tried. They've tried to 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 kind of share a photo around, you know, through their Telegram channels and 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 their far right spaces and circles. Um, but that's fine. Let them. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be here. We're gonna do this one. We're gonna do another one. We're gonna do another one. Uh, uh, unfortunately, until we're just too old, and you know, we train the next generation to pick up where we have to kind of step back from. Hell yeah. Well, is there any anything else you want to share? I feel like we covered everything pretty well here. Is there any other thing you want to say? Yeah, show up. Right? Let's show up. Let's show off. Let's show out. I think that's the, the big thing. I think uh, if there's one thing, stereotype that really rings true, right? We're, we're colorful. We're flamboyant. Uh, we're loud. You know, we're happy, right? So bring all that shit out and come get married with us. Very good. Hell yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, David. And I will, um, I will include links to the Facebook, uh, event, hopefully, and to your Twitter, um, and anything else you want in the, in the show notes. So hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now here comes an interview with Emily from Le Center. So welcome to the show, Emily, who is a queer Lysander School District alumni and local activist who has been organizing around some frightening anti-trans school policy and subsequent revelations about the right-wing extremist beliefs of certain officials within the school system in Lysander. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you. So, um, yeah, do you just want to give us a, a rundown about what's what's going on out there? Yeah, sounds good. So I have a statement that I was planning on reading, if that's okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure that I remembered all the nitty gritty details. So, okay. So um, my name is Emily. And as you said, I am a queer LCSD alumni who is gravely concerned for the future of this school district with the administration's blatant attempts at marginalizing queer and trans students. Um, this whole issue began last fall when a couple of teachers in our district chose to ask their students what pronouns they felt most comfortable using in their confidential beginning of the year get to know you Google forms. This was done in an effort to be inclusive to trans and non-binary students at the recommendation of the high school's Gender and Sexuality Alliance. And this is now a very standard practice at many major institutions like colleges and medical facilities. My 74-year-old dad just got a knee replacement and the first class question they asked him at the hospital was for his name and pronouns. Um, teachers were never mandated to ask this question, nor were students mandated to answer it. However, some parents called the administration to complain because they didn't feel the question was appropriate. As a result, Superintendent Rosencrantz sent out an email expressly forbidding teachers from asking students for their pronouns, explaining that, quote, by asking for pronouns, you may be inclusive to a small portion of your student population. However, you are excluding another population entirely. We need to provide an inclusive environment for all of our students, including those who think differently about the pronoun issue, unquote. This statement is very concerning, as it indicates that Mr. Rosencrantz didn't even understand what pronouns were, since he believed that asking for them was somehow exclusionary to cisgender students, even though cisgender students have pronouns just like trans students do. It's also concerning because it shows that instead of prioritizing the inclusion and acceptance of one of his most vulnerable vulnerable student populations, Mr. Rosencrantz was prioritizing the feelings of students, parents, and members of administration, such as himself, who are uncomfortable with the existence of queer students. 
So in response, about 30 teachers and staff members filed an official civil rights complaint in which they allege that the superintendent's new rule goes against state, OSPI, and district policies. They argue that the rule could be considered direct discrimination against queer students since it really would only affect them, quote, limiting teachers' abilities to create an LGBTQ-friendly learning environment and creating a systemic barrier towards the full inclusivity of LGBTQ students, unquote. Mr. Rosencrantz then updated the district's official gender-inclusive schools policy to specify that now if a trans student wants their teachers to use their correct name and pronouns, that student will have to initiate that conversation themselves since teachers are forbidden from asking. However, if a student does this, the policy now mandates that teachers report this to administration, who will then report this to the student's family. This creates a don't ask, don't tell culture for trans students, forcing them to choose between staying in the closet at school or being forcibly outed to their families. In his updates to the gender inclusive schools policy, Rosencrantz argued that acting that asking students for their preferred pronouns is an act of, quote, facilitating the questioning of gender identity. gender identity, gender transitioning. The policy also states that curriculum instruction and gender affirming activities in schools may cause gender confusion for children. A statement that is very misleading since no such curriculum instruction or activities even exist in our state or district. This policy is incredibly dangerous for the mental and physical safety of trans students. The 2022 Healthy Youth Survey found that queer students are the most at-risk demographic in this district, with queer students having by far the highest rates of depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. 50% of queer students in the center reported contemplating suicide, and 45% reported having little or no adult support. National data collected by the Trevor Project found that 52% of trans and non-binary youth had contemplated suicide in the past year, and 41% had attempted. However, those who had their pronouns respected attempted suicide at half the rate of those who didn't, and those who had just one supportive adult in their life were 40% less likely to attempt suicide. Respecting pronouns is suicide prevention, and supportive adult figures such as teachers can be life-saving for trans youth, but LaCenter's new policy takes away that opportunity for trans kids to find refuge and acceptance in their teachers. Additionally, less than a third of trans youth come from supportive homes. 38% of trans and non-binary youth in the U.S. report housing instability, with many kicked out or forced to run away because of their gender identity. It's estimated that about 40% of all homeless youth are queer. And by forcibly outing trans students to their families, the center school district is putting them at further risk of housing instability, abuse, and suicide. This is a matter of life or death. The civil rights complaint was initially dismissed by the school board, but it has now been forwarded to OSPI, the Washington State Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, who has accelerated the timeline for the complaints review by several months as a result of the media attention that we've been getting. The school district has also received a letter from the Q Law Foundation of Washington telling them that their gender-inclusive schools policy is discriminatory and in violation of OSPI guidelines. It is also believed that this policy may be in violation of FERPA, which states that it is illegal for school staff to disclose a student's trans identity to others without express permission unless that student's parents have actually submitted an official request to the school for those records. Myself and many others have been fighting for months to 
for months to get this policy overturned. We held a rally for trans youth autonomy on the Trans Day of Visibility in March, and we have been attending and speaking at every school board meeting. We are up against not only our incredibly conservative and religious school administration, but the religious right-wing groups that are backing them, such as Patriots United, Moms for Liberty, and Washington Moms for America. These groups have been quite literally demonizing trans students and the queer activists who are fighting for them, asserting that they are dark souls being influenced by the devil and that being trans is a mental illness. One of the main local anti-trans activists here refers to this whole situation as a matter of spiritual warfare, telling her followers that they need to, quote, put on the full armor of God to keep Satan from taking their children. These parental rights activists come to our school board meetings and argue that the school board needs to base their policies off of biblical scripture, yet argue that we are the ones trying to indoctrinate children. They have also been spreading around the names of the teachers who signed on to the civil rights complaint, alleging that these teachers are grooming, sexualizing, and abusing children. At one point, the school district actually had to take down their staff directory on their website because they were getting threatening phone calls directed at those teachers. What's especially concerning is that the ringleader of these extremists claims to be a very close friend of Superintendent Rosencrantz, posing for photos with him before school board meetings and boasting to her supporters that they text regularly and that he encourages her to rally her troops in support of him. This person, by the way, was previously banned from school campus for harassing and scaring children for wearing masks, which she took great offense to. It has been made apparent that multiple members of our school administration have ties to these far-right religious extremist groups and individuals and or ascribe to their ideologies. While we were already well aware of their anti-trans agenda, what we've now uncovered is even further proof of how unsafe queer children are under this current school administration, particularly that of Wynne Muffet. We've uncovered a multitude of posts that Muffet has liked on Twitter that establish a clear pattern of transphobia and homophobia, as well as COVID denialism, January 6th denialism, climate change denialism, science denialism, election denialism, racism, and anti-sex education propaganda. These tweets, many of which are riddled with disinformation, include consistent messaging equating LGBTQ people and LGBTQ allied teachers and sex ed teachers with groomers and pedophiles. Some even go so far as to advocate for, quote, to advocate for, quote, putting prayer back in school, saying that sex ed teachers are zealots and extremists who should be put on the sex offender registry for, quote, seeking the sexual indoctrination of children. The content of these tweets, and especially the disinformation that so many are based on, are atrocious and extremely dangerous. It's no wonder that Muffet and other board members in alliance with him have such clear disregard for the lives and safety of trans youth. These tweets show exactly where Muffet stands in regards to the trans students that he is supposed to be serving, even referring to the existence of trans people as the, quote, trans contagion. At the last school board meeting, Muffet argued that the gender-inclusive schools policy was pro-family and that parents are not dangerous, so there is no reason to not out their children to them, a comment that shows incredible ignorance about the reality of what queer children too often face with unaccepting families. He urged citizens to recall him from his position if they disagreed, and I think we should definitely take him up on that. Additionally, Superintendent Rosencrantz has gone on Lars Larson to discuss the pronoun policy. Mr. Rosencrantz, I had a great conversation with you today, and I'm glad to have you on the program. 
Thank you, Lars. I'm I'm uh, glad to be here as well. Stating his beliefs that schools should, quote, stay in their own lane and stick to academics instead of worrying about things like pronouns, which he believes are just a fad. I find this very interesting because to me, the school staying in its lane means not outing a child to their family because that is not and should never be a school's responsibility. Rosencrantz has also claimed that he used to be he used to teach biology and that this essentially makes him an expert about why sex is scientifically binary, which I find quite amusing as someone who has taken a multitude of college classes, which have taught me the science behind why sex is not and never has been binary, both for humans and for animals. Rosencrantz has also stated that teachers are not even allowed to discuss the gender-inclusive schools policy with students, and this violates state law, which states that schools have an obligation to share policies and procedures with parents, guardians, and students. Ultimately, this school administration is failing both its students and its teachers. The superintendent and school board are stoking the flames of anti-queer and anti-teacher rhetoric in our town and are using their positions to fearmonger and blow this situation way out of proportion. They're actively and knowingly putting both teachers and students in harm's way, all to perpetuate their right-wing agenda. And this is not just isolated to the center and the LCSD administration, but it's part of a much larger movement for anti-trans legislation and school policies that have been sweeping the nation with the help of GOP-funded groups like Moms for Liberty, which, you know, is endorsing our administration. Trans students and the teachers who support them are systematically under attack, and we desperately need our state laws to be clarified when it comes to protections for queer students. Our laws are currently way too broad and vague, and our district has taken advantage of this, and we just hope that OSPI holds the district district accountable for what it's doing. And in the meantime, we will continue fighting for trans students and trans allied teachers until this policy is changed and our administration does right by its marginalized students. So what in particular can OSPI do to hold them accountable? Well, they are kind of, from my understanding, they're the governing body that that deals with the legal issues regarding policies in schools. I'm not sure exactly what that action would look like. I think it would probably, you know, there would have to be policy revision. There would have to be training. There would have to be some sort of accountability. I'm not sure exactly what that would look like, but OSPI is currently the, the group that has the most authority when it comes to to holding this school accountable for what it's doing. And from my understanding, OSPI currently is facing several other cases just like this from other schools in our state. So this is something that's um, becoming more widespread and they are going to have to, you know, make a decision about the policy and whether or not they are going to clarify it or leave it up to interpretation, which is what our school has done, where our superintendent has definitely interpreted it a very specific way and kind of twisted it to uh, fit his own agenda. Okay. So yeah, to, to clarify, so it's a, it's a state policy that is about gender inclusion, but because it's so broad, they completely manipulated it to mean the opposite. And it's like, it's called the gender inclusive school policy, but it's actually the opposite of gender inclusive is that exactly yes (laughs) exactly that is what is going on (laughs) yeah it's very we're all joking about like oh yeah the gender non-inclusive schools policy yeah (laughs) because the name is definitely a bit of a a misnomer in this situation yeah okay and then um yeah you may have already said this but 
what you you said people are showing up to the school board meetings is that what you would like listeners to do as well yes um, we definitely right now we want to rally people to come and you know show up in support of us we would really love to have people especially you know specifically people from la center la center high school graduates queer la center high school graduates we would love to have them come and show support or better yet speak we really need some speakers we have been relying on um a lot of speakers who you know we need some new people in there and um we just want to really show the spectrum of support that we have so far we have had social workers we have nurses mental health professionals um teachers students um we had one student who gave just the most heart-wrenching testimony about how when they were outed to their family by a member of staff they were beaten by their family to the point where they could no longer attend school and with the testimonies that we have heard i mean they're so heartbreaking and they're so powerful and we want to really keep at that we want to really show that people care and that we are not going to stop this fight and that you know, we want to show that we we know what we're talking about. We are educated on this. We know the science. We know the psychology. We understand, you know, the concept of gender identity versus sexuality versus all those things that that the other side seems to be very confused about because a lot of them seem to they confuse gender and sexuality. And so when they hear the pronoun issue, a lot of them actually are believing that teachers are asking students what their sexuality is when that's not what's happening. You know, we want to really um, be educating people about what the problem actually is, because so far it has been blown so out of proportion and the details have become so obscure. And everybody, honestly, at this point, it's just it's a mess. I mean, at this point, it's like we're losing sight of what the original problem was, because, yeah, the arguments are just getting so so insane and so religiously based and we just really want to um you know drive home the point of you know this is a matter of safety this is a matter of public health it's a matter of suicide prevention and you know preventing child abuse and homelessness and um yeah we just we really want um to get as many supporters as possible very cool so it you want any ally or advocate, but in particular, the best thing would be people local. from La Center. Yes, yeah, local people. Okay, and when is the next? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The next school board meeting is um, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. Um, where my phone went? It's let me look on my calendar just to just to double check. Um, it is on the 23rd yes and we would love yes locals or if you are a non-local but you are if you have a special investment in this subject if you are a professional and you know in regards to the topic we would love to have you come and speak or show up for support you know um but yeah we really um so far up until the last meeting we we're outnumbering the other side pretty significantly. But this last meeting, they really, um, they got a lot of the Patriot Prayer people. We had Joe Kent there. We had um, local oh people from government there. And it was, goodness, it was it was quite the event. And it was incredibly disheartening. And um, yeah, I, 
it, honestly, it's getting more and more difficult to keep showing up with the way that we are continually having to hear just the, the literal demonization of trans people every time. And it's getting more and more volatile and more and more just, yeah, it's it's really disheartening. Just curious, have you asked, um, I, I'm assuming you have like any public officials, like what about Marie Glusenkamp Perez? <laughs> Could <laughs> she come out? I mean, if Joe Kent is coming out, I, you know, I don't know. But that's a good question. We've um, been talking about that. Um, I think that we probably should reach out to some public officials. I think so far we haven't because it's hard to get a hold of them, honestly, you know. Right. Um, but I think that moving forward, we definitely should reach out to some people because, you know, we don't even know if they're aware of what's going on. And, you know, if they were made aware, maybe they would want to get more invested in it. And that would be incredibly helpful for sure. Okay, cool. Good to know. I was just, I was just curious on that one. Um, Is there anything else you want to share? I feel like you just like (laughs) explained everything so thoroughly. Um, Yeah, it seems pretty clear what people need to do. We need people to show up. Yeah. um, I think one thing that I do really want to mention is there is a lot of confusion in our community about the, um, the relationship between queerness and mental illness. It's been an ongoing conversation and there is so much misunderstanding about it. And something that I actually, I spoke, as I said um, in our text that I did speak at the uh, board of trustees meeting at the library about the drag queen story hour. And so one of the, the, some of the rhetoric that we hear a lot and at that meeting and at our school board meetings is that um, being trans is a mental illness. And that if your child is trans, you essentially need to nip it in the bud because if they are trans, they have a high likelihood of attempting suicide. And there's this confusion of like, if you are trans, you will attempt suicide because you are trans and that being trans is the mental illness. And I want to clarify being trans is not a mental illness and the prevalence of suicide among the trans community is not because they are trans. It is because of the way they are treated because they are trans. It is because of the stigmatization, the demonization, the exact treatment that we are seeing currently in our district, the violence, the hatred. That is why there is such a prevalence of mental health struggles among the queer community. It is not because we are queer. It is because of how we are treated because we are queer. And that is a really important distinction. And so I think it's just important to really drive home the fact that if your child is trans, trying to make them not trans is not going to help them when it comes to their mental health supporting them and providing them with the resources they need and the acceptance and the love that is what is going to help your child and that's really the biggest point is we need to really show up for this community and show that they are loved that they you know they deserve acceptance and yeah you know these are kids these are kids and they are terrified and the fact that it is adults, adults that are doing this. I mean, in addition to the kids who are bullying them at school, um, it's, it's unacceptable. You know, these are literal children. And when these people say that we are the ones who are abusing children, I just want to say 
what is it that you think you're doing right now as you're literally telling them that, you know, they're essentially possessed? How is that not abusive? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this is terrifying stuff, but, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, when your family doesn't accept you, the least you could have is a refuge at school to be yeah. able to be who you are. And for that, and yeah, it's like, imagine everywhere you turn these people, the, like you said, these are the adults, these people you're supposed to look up to your mentors, yeah. um, have these opinions about you or yeah, think that you're possessed or confused yeah. or whatever. Um, it's, yeah. yeah. I, um, I've been in school for several years now, um, to become an English teacher at the high school level. And something that I'm really concerned about with our school district is I'm seeing what I'm being taught in college about how you teach and how you administrate. And I'm seeing how, what La Center School District is doing. And it's the exact opposite of what I'm currently being taught in school. And one of the main issues that I'm thinking of when it comes to that is I remember my, my very first methods of English teaching courses that I took, the teacher, like first day of school, she said, you know, your first week in class, you need to dedicate that to really getting to know your students and making them feel safe in your classroom because students cannot effectively learn unless they feel safe, unless they are not in fight or flight mode. You know, the students need to feel comfortable. They need to be able to trust you. And one of the best ways to do that is to show them unconditional acceptance of their identities, whatever that might be. And so she encouraged, my professor encouraged us asking for preferred name, for correct pronouns, for, you know, trying to really get to know and show your students that you accept them as they are, even if they may not get that at home. And that is one of the best ways to build a relationship with your students and to make sure that they feel safe and can effectively learn in your classroom. And what this administration is doing right now, these kids, they don't feel safe. They are terrified and the teachers are terrified. You know, teachers who want to stand up for the kids that they love, who now feel, you know, scared into silence. You know, they're they're not allowed to to get to know their students anymore, essentially. They're not allowed to ask these questions. They're not allowed to develop these deeper relationships. And in many ways, teachers are being just flat out censored when it comes to curriculum. And yeah, it's just, it's really scary. And I think that our district needs to really take a good, hard look at itself. And especially when it comes to things like social emotional learning and um, diversity and inclusion and equity policies, you know, we are so far behind compared to other schools in the area. Um, it's it's pretty shocking. And so I really just want to encourage, especially parents in the district to get involved and to really hold our district accountable for what it's doing and demand better for our kids, for sure. And also there's the point of, you know, if if a kid feels comfortable coming out to their teacher and not to their parents, there's a reason. There is a reason. And, you know, our administration needs to really take that into account, that this is a matter of safety. And Mr. Rosencrantz actually did say, I don't know if he still is going based off of this, but when this be first began, 
he did mention to somebody who who called him um, to complain about this. He did mention that even if a student said that um, they didn't feel safe with their parents knowing about their their being trans, that um, he w still would contact the parents because I think he said something along the lines of kids lie, you know, and that's just it's not OK. You know, kids, I understand that from his perspective, it's about parental rights and it's about not hiding things from parents. But I think what's more important is making sure that kids are safe. And like I said, there is a reason why a kid may not have told their families yet and forcing them to stay in the closet and suffer in silence or be dragged out of the closet and face potential violence. It's, it's unacceptable. And I personally, I don't think he should be superintendent. I don't think he's qualified personally to be superintendent. Um, I think a lot of our school board, they need to go. I think that we need to get some fresh blood in there. We need to get some fresh perspectives. We need to get a much more diverse set of people looking out for our kids because right now it is pretty, you know, they all have the same agenda, the same viewpoint, the same, you know, very conservative, very religious, very anti-queer, anti-trans. I mean, when I was growing up in this school district, we were not allowed to have clubs because our school district knew if they allowed clubs, they would have to allow a gay straight alliance. So they went so far as to deem chess a sport so that they would not be allowing clubs and wouldn't have to have a, allow a gay straight alliance. And what ended up changing that was um, parents got involved and I think somebody threatened, you know, a, a lawsuit or something. And so they had to change it. But like, this is this is how I grew up in that district. Like the homophobia and transphobia has always been so evident and things need to change. It's time for things to change. We right now are at a real crossroads. We're at a tipping point. And, you know, I, I, I do get the sense that, you know, things are going to go one way or the other. And yeah, uh, this is our chance. And we really have to, we have to fight for, you know, an administration that is going to really have the best interest of kids in mind and isn't, you know, serving the agenda of GOP funded groups like Moms for Liberty and things like that. Very, very